How's everyone doing today? Good, good, excellent. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is traditionally the 40 days that lead up to Easter. It's kind of the Easter season. And what we're going to do this, this season, this year, is we're going to look at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus through the lens of a couple different people. We're calling it Tales from the Cross. I made this graphic and then looked at it and realized it kind of looks like it says ales from the cross. So this is not about different beers related to Jesus. The cross is the T, so it's tales, but it's tales from the cross. Um, and we're going to look at a number of, of different people involved around this story. And look at first we're going to look at them as a person, kind of do a little character exploration on each of these, of each of these individuals. And then we're going to look at their relationship to Jesus. What did Jesus mean to them? What did they mean to Jesus? How, how were they linked? And then we're going to look at what Jesus' death and resurrection would have meant to that person. And there's going to be some that's going to be positive and negative. So we're going to look at a wide variety of people and entities in relation to Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we're going to take that person and use that person as a viewpoint for a larger group of people today and look at, all right, if this person felt like this, who is the representative of that person today? And how can we use this person to try to help give us a lens into different aspects? I'm really excited. I think it's going to be fun. We have, we have some good people picked out, and I pulled seniority and took Mary Magdalene because I really wanted to talk about Mary Magdalene. I, she's one of my favorite characters because she's such a fascinating character in her history and just everything. It's, it's, it, it, it's fun. So we're starting with Mary Magdalene. Now, what we're going to do first is just walk through what we know about Mary Magdalene, because she might be the character in the Bible that there is some of the most extra-biblical stories about that are in no way in the biblical text. So we're going to hone in what we know about Mary. So the first thing we know about Mary, we get from Luke 8. So I'll just read this couple of verses here. After this, Jesus traveled, uh, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called the Magdalene, from, one of, from, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanne, the wife of Cherza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them by their own means. So, from this we know Mary had seven demons cast out of her, unclear if it was Jesus who did this, one of the disciples, we don't know. But either way, it's attributed to Jesus. She attributes this to Jesus, and so now is following along with the twelve, and is also financially supporting Jesus. So this last line, these women are helping to support them from their own means. They were paying for Jesus' ministry. So it's almost kind of backwards. We could almost think of it as Jesus was their missionary that they were financially supporting. Like, that's kind of the dynamic we have here. So, that's the first thing we know about Mary. Second thing, we know Mary was at the, probably trial, but definitely the crucifixion of Jesus. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed him from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So, here we know Mary's at the crucifixion. This group is kind of sometimes called the, the three Marys. So you have Mary, Jesus' mom, Mary, probably Jesus' aunt, and then Mary Magdalene. From other gospel accounts, John is here too, but it's, you know, Mary's at the crucifixion of Jesus. And then, really the last thing we know, I'm not going to read all of this, this, is a big one, 
Mary is the person who discovers Jesus' empty tomb. In John, it's Mary alone. Some of the other Gospels, it's that group of three Marys that, that find Jesus. So the scene, Mary goes, she finds the empty tomb, um, she starts crying, she meets who she thinks is the gardener and asks, like, where, what have you done with Jesus' body? Jesus um, reveals her, himself to her, so she's like, oh, that, that's Jesus. You know, she gets really excited. And then Jesus tells her, this is starting at verse 17 down here, uh, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So Mary is the first person to see Jesus' risen body and the first person to go tell anyone else about Jesus. That's an interesting trivia there, that the first person to proclaim the gospel of the risen Jesus is Mary Magdalene. First person. And the people she goes and tells are the 12 disciples. They're, they're not 12 at this point. Judas isn't there, but the, the disciples. That's who she goes and tells. That's really the only things we can definitely 100% say about Mary. Those are the only passages. She's, she's in past, so, you know, four Gospels, right? So she's in passages aligned to these in other Gospels, but these are the only stories Mary's in. This is all we know 100% for certain about Mary. There are some things we can more than likely infer. So one of them is that where she was from. So this is Upper Galilee here. So Jerusalem is off the map down to the south and such. Let me get my little pointer up here. There it is. So you can see down here is Nazareth. That's where Jesus spent a lot of his ministry time. Yeah, it's up here. So Mary is more than likely from this town here on the Sea of Galilee, Magdal. Hence her name. The, uh, Magdalene is from this town. We can probably safely assume that. The other thing that most scholars think you can assume is that Mary is from a relatively well-off family. If she can afford to follow Jesus, not be tied to a house, and support them financially, she's probably from a wealthy family. You know, some of the other people in here, like Joanna, the wife of Shuza, that's a very, very important person, the manager of Herod's household. So Herod, the king of the region, the manager of his household would have been his most trusted, highest level people. So like, these are very, very important people, and Mary's mentioned in this group. So Mary is probably a very wealthy, influential person in the region. That's kind of what we can safely assume about Mary. I'm sure we all have heard lots of other things about Mary, right? So what are the popular misconceptions about Mary? Do I have a slide? I do. One of which is that she was a prostitute. That's not mentioned anywhere in the text. That started hundreds of years after the biblical times, the idea that she was a prostitute. And we'll get into a little bit about maybe why that that came in. Next was that she was, do I want to jump into that now? Yeah, we'll jump in it later. Was that she was the sinner who washes Jesus' feet with her hair, the oil and such. That's in Luke 7. A lot of times that gets given to her. It's not said anywhere it's her. She's not in that story at all. It's just assumed she's in there because in, in the Luke account, the story that talks about the one we just had of about them being sent out and that group of women that was financially supporting Jesus. This story comes, comes right next to that, and so people just assume, well, the sinner that was there had, had to be Mary, right? Those are two separate stories. Mary's not anywhere in this story. The other one 
is that Mary is the adulterous woman who the people are going to stone, and Jesus, you know, does a thing where he writes in the sand and says, you know, those of you who are without sin, cast the first stone. A lot of people say, well, that has to be Mary. Again, Mary's not anywhere in that story. A lot of this comes down to the assumption that Mary was a prostitute. Where that assumption, you see this like jumping logic train, the town that she is from has a couple references to prostitution. So, some people say, well, the fact that she's called this, they're highlighting she was from this town, known for prostitution, so she had to be a prostitute. So any reference to some, a woman of a repute had to be Mary. So that's kind of the logic train that people jump to putting Mary in these stories, just because of the town she's from. So that's where some of these kind of jumps happened. And the other side is that Mary was the wife of Jesus. That's not stated anywhere. Nowhere in the text. And in fact, some of the earliest writings, some of the writings of the first generation of Christians, the, you know, some, some of the generation of like origin and stuff, who were discipled by the disciples, hold Mary in the same kind of status as Peter. That Peter was off starting churches, Mary was off starting churches. They're held in that same level of status. So those are all the things that kind of have grown up around this mythos of Mary, none of which are in the text. All we can say for sure about Mary, seven demons cast out of her, followed Jesus, financially supported him, present at crucifixion, first person to see his risen body. That's all we know about Mary, 100% for sure. So with that, what did Jesus mean to her? Do I have a, no, I'll stick on this one. What did Jesus mean to her? Well, Jesus rescued her, cast seven demons out of her, kind of as we talked about a lot in, in some of the Matthew text. Matthew really focuses on Jesus going out to the outcast. Someone with seven demons in them would have been an outcast. They would not have been allowed into the main cities. Every story of demon possession we encounter in, in the biblical text, it's the person out in the wilderness. They're not allowed in. So, you need to stop doing that. So, Jesus, she, she was an outcast for a while. Jesus brings her back into society. She obviously believes, trust in Jesus, because she's following him around, giving up her now life she has back, because she's no longer an outcast. She's, the demons are gone. She could go back home. She doesn't. She follows Jesus. And she financially supports him. She believes in Jesus so much that she's going to give herself time-wise and money-wise to follow Jesus. So she trusts and believes in Jesus. So spin that forward to Jesus' death. How does that hit her? What does that look like? Obviously, heartbreaking. She believed he was the Messiah. He saved her. She gave up so much to follow him, so much because she believed in him. There had to be some kind of mixed emotions, probably fear. Was I wrong? Confusion, potentially anger, all of these swirling around. But one of the things I love most about Mary is despite all of those emotions that had to have been swirling around Ender, 
she's one of the few people that stays. She's one of the few people that's still present at the crucifixion. Staying. I'm going to go back to that slide. Oh, did I go too far? Uh, uh. So, this is the crucifixion one. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. She's still, at this last moment, trying to care, loving Jesus. Two more. Here we go. Now take that three days later. Her belief was so enamored. She went to the tomb. She's either the only person that goes or one of a small group of Jesus' relatives that goes. That's it. None of the other disciples are going to the tomb. It's just Mary. So when she goes, sees the empty tomb, has the realization that Jesus is alive, what is that emotion like? Relief? Maybe a little justification? Not like self-justification of, oh, I made the right choice, but that emotional like, yes, you are the Messiah. That upheaval of emotion of just sheer joy of, yes, you, you were right. You, I was right to place my trust in you. You are the Messiah. Her faith was placed in the right place, the right spot, the right person of Jesus. And Anna might argue when she talks about uh, Jesus' Jesus's mom, Mary, in a couple of weeks, but to me, this person has had to be the most excited person at this moment when she sees Jesus alive. The person who had given up her life to follow Jesus. And he's there. He's back. And she's the first person that gets to see it. So, Let's spin Mary forward a little bit. Who is Mary Magdalene today? Who are the people that can maybe relate to this? So Mary Magdalene is someone who had seen great things happen, had followed Jesus, had been present for amazing spiritual events, powerful movements in their life, in her life. Someone who had devoted time, potentially years, and money to Jesus. Or if I'm going to spin that forward today, maybe to the church. But someone, something went wrong, who isn't sure what to do now, maybe feels burned by the church. There's someone who probably still has faith because, like Mary, still went to the tomb, but notice where Mary wasn't with the quote-unquote church with the disciples. So, this, so Mary today might be someone who still believes in Jesus, still loves Jesus, still has faith, but doesn't necessarily trust or love the church. Not sure about the people of God. And that's kind of understandable maybe because just I think Mary's a great showcase of this. The church can do bad things sometimes. Look at what they did to Mary, her legacy. They took someone who the early church held up with Peter as one of the greatest of Jesus' followers. 
and turned her into, oh, that was just a prostitute Jesus saved. So what does resurrection look like for this person, for this Mary Magdalene figure today? Faith. Faith restored. This is a person who is struggling, wrestling with hard times, wrestling with God. They're kind of in this triangle of wrestling with themselves, the church, and Jesus. Trying to figure out how, how do I balance these? How can these three live in tandem? Because, I mean, that's what Mary did. It's her going to Jesus, and then once she realizes, gets this faith restored, gets this happy uplift of emotion, she goes back to the church, back to disciples. So she's wrestling with kind of these three. And this is a person that, when this resurrection happens, this upwelling, this faith restored, this emotional upheave, they can do powerful things. Because just think about Mary. When she goes to the tomb, she's, I think we can assume, not going to see a risen Jesus. We don't know why she's going. You know, one text says she's going to perform burial practices. Maybe, she, maybe that's true. Some of the other texts don't say, is she going there just to sit with Jesus, just to talk to Jesus' tomb? However, the reason, she's going to Jesus. And then when she gets this realization that he's alive, what's the first thing she does? She goes and restores faith in everyone else. So this is a person, this Mary archetype, is someone that can be amazing at bringing people to Jesus. Because they've been through these ups and downs. They've been through these grappling questions of faith. And when they come out, that's a powerful story. Mary had to go through this emotional upheaval, these three days of sadness, of anger, of confusion, to restore faith in all of the disciples. That's the journey she had to go through. And so that's the journey this person, this person, this archetype can go through. So what do we do if we think maybe we have times in our lives or right now where we might feel like a Mary Magdalene or we know someone who's a Mary Magdalene? Because I guarantee we all do. We all know someone who has been burned by the church, has been burned by a friend, a coworker that was Christian, who acted very unchristian-like, and so now they're like, well, I don't, I don't trust that group. I don't do that. We all know that people. There's those people around us every single day. So what do we do? What for that person, if we know that person? We have to strip away all the pageantry, all of the tradition, all of the circumstance, all of the people away from faith. It has to be, look at Jesus. Sit with Jesus. See what Jesus' word, the Bible. That's what we have to do. I thought about it this morning, didn't have time to put it in there, but our seven habits, the seek Jesus daily. That's what we have to do. That's what is good for all of us to do, but especially someone a Mary Magdalene, wrestling. Because what does she do? She goes to Jesus. Because she knows Jesus is the only person that won't let us down. 
Everyone else will. We all will. That might be hard to think about, but every single person in this room will let every other single person in this room down at some point. We all will. It probably won't be intentional, hopefully, but we will. The only person that will never let us down is Jesus. One of my, it's weird to say favorite, but most poignant quotes I've heard is that the most harmful thing to the church today is the church today. So we have to point directly at Jesus. Look to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that won't let us down. Mary knew that. How can we point people in that direction? How can we be that in our lives? Putting our whole trust in our risen Lord. We have to embrace that idea. Live in that idea. Now, obviously, church is important, right? Like, fellowship is important. Community is important. We don't want to go off and be little hermits, right? But we have to realize Jesus is the only thing, the only person, the only thing in the church that will not let us down, the only thing we can reliably, fully lean on. So that has to be our starting point. That has to be the thing we continually come back to every single day. Even if we don't know what that looks like or what we want to do with it, just like Mary, go to the tomb. She didn't know what she was going to find there, but she went and found amazing things, found the most wonderful thing. So go to the tomb every day. Go see Jesus every day. You don't have to have any expectations of what you'll find. Jesus will meet you there and give you exactly what you need. Join me as we pray.